Thank you for being here today. I really appreciate you coming. And so we can celebrate today and, and see what Jesus is going to do, the Lord's going to do in our hearts today. We can get ready for the snow, right? Yeah, everybody's got your milk and bread, right? Got all that stuff. Man, it's going to come a big snow Tuesday. You heard it here first, right? <laughs> Maybe we'll get a half an inch. It'll just stifle us. We'll get out of school, out of work, everything. Right? You know, how many of you, how many of you, if you don't mind raising your hand, how many of you are, you would call yourself a northerner? Or you're up north, from up north. We have several in our church. Pennsylvania, New York, Iowa, all over. What do y'all think about us? <laughs> are y'all laughing at us here as southerners with all this snow? I saw this video. I want you to watch it. Watch it closely. what's that some of what you're thinking right i thought i'd share that because we're going to get into some heavy stuff here in revelation and so we need to lighten up a little bit before we do right so open your bibles you can open your bibles to chapter 16 or 15 chapter 15 of revelation revelation the last part of chapter 15 is an introduction to chapter 16 so I'll begin reading there with verse number 5 of 50, uh, Revelation chapter 15, verse 5. And then I'm going to give you a head start. I want you to find a couple of passages of Scripture in your Bible. Before I begin reading in Revelations, I want you to find, if you will, Isaiah chapter 13 and Malachi chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 13 and then Malachi chapter Three. Both of those are in the Old Testament, okay? And so uh, what I want to do, I want to give you an introduction to what I'm going to talk about today. Today we're going to look at the last of the judgments. We're in the end time, if you will. We're in the last part of the seven-year tribulation period. We've already seen the judgment of the seven seals in chapter 6. We saw the uh, seven judgments of the trumpet, seven trumpet judgments in chapter 8. In chapter 16, we're going to see the seven bold judgments. All right? So we're going to look at the judgment of God on planet Earth. We were talking in a, somebody in our Sunday school class afterwards said, you know, or in our prayer circle, we have people come into my office and pray over me before the service, some of our deacons and others. And they were saying, you know, I don't believe it's going to be long before God comes back the way the world is right now. Probably a lot of truth to that because Jesus said this. Lord, they said, Lord, how, how are we going to know when you're coming back? And he said, as in the days of Noah, when men and women were vile and wicked, 
had no respect for God, nothing for God at all. He said, that's when the flood came, right? And he said, that's the way it's going to be in the second coming of Christ. When people are just wicked and vile and violence and sin is just overtaking the world. Jesus is coming back. And so we have have these judgments of the tribulation period. I don't believe we'll be in the tribulation period as the church. I believe we'll be raptured out, and I believe the Scripture to validate that. That's why I believe it. And so I want to share with you in this message today the seven bold judgments. They're leading up to the battle of Armageddon. We'll see that in a moment. These are the last of the seven judgments, if you will, the three seven judgments. This is the last one. We're in the last part of the seven-year tribulation, the second half and the last part of it. It's getting bad. We've been following this, and today we're going to conclude, if you will, the tribulation period as we march right into Armageddon. Now, this section of uh, Revelation, beginning with uh, 11 and on to to, uh, 18, or really 17, is really horrific. It's really unbelievable what's going on on planet Earth in the judgment of God. And so the familiar question is this. Why would a God of life, a God of love, and a God of peace, why would he cast such horrific acts of destruction and devastation? Why would he do that to those left on planet Earth? Well, one of the reasons is he promised he would because of the judgment. The Word of God says, unless we repent, judgment is coming on planet Earth. And one reason is because of what I just described. This, the vileness, the wickedness of sin invites, ushers in the consequences of sin. You see, you just don't get away with it. Amen? Well, no, I didn't get caught. I didn't get caught. James Dobson says everybody commits adultery gets caught. Everybody that commits murder gets caught. Everybody that commits sin gets caught. Aren't you glad that Jesus paid for our sin? Aren't you glad that he went to the cross and died for man's sin if we would only believe in him? That's what it means to be a Christian. Your sins have been covered by the blood of Christ. And if you're not a Christian, you've never trusted in Christ, and your sins are on you. And you're going to suffer the consequences of that sin in the judgment of God. He's going to judge sin. He promised he would. Why? Because he's a just and righteous God. You can take him at his promise, every one of them, including this one. Right? And so with that said, if we neglect and obey God... We're inviting judgment. That's why I fear for our nation. We're inviting the judgment of God. When there's no fear of God, when there's no respect, no honor of God, and when we try to stamp out His name in the name of Jesus, we are inviting the judgment of God. Now, I want you to turn to Malachi first. Malachi chapter 3. I want you to see, see, the reason I want you to see this, you have your outline there today, but I want you to see, before we begin, you need to study the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a prelude, if you will, to the New Testament. 
And so when we go back and see these scriptures, it, tell, it tells us of what's coming down the pike. And so these prophets are prophesying the judgment of God. Now, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I'm going to read this and follow with me. Malachi three sixteen. Then those who fear the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. Now watch chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. For behold, Malachi says, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble, going to be burned up. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. And they will leave neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Amen? Now turn back to Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah chapter 13. Here again, another prophet, Malachi, prophesied of the day of judgment. There's a day coming, he said. Now listen to what Isaiah says. This is several hundred years before John writes Revelation. Now look in chapter 13, if you will, of Isaiah, and look in verse 9. You can read verse 6 through 8. They go with this, but I'm going to take the time. Look at verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil. God said that. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible or the tyrants. So everybody gets caught. Everybody gets judged. Nobody misses the judgment of God. Nobody. We will be raptured up in the air. We're forgiven of our sin. We don't receive the judgment of God. We receive the mercy of God. And so we're raptured up in a cloud during the rapture to meet with Jesus. And there he'll look over the books of our works. But we're all, our destiny's already been determined when you got saved. When you get saved, you're bound for heaven. And so you don't go under the great white throne judgment we'll get to in chapter 19 or 20. We'll look at that. But I want you to see today the judgment of God that's coming to planet earth on those who rebel against Him, those who do wickedly, who don't repent, 
who don't cry out to God, who take the mark of the beast and worship the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast, Satan himself, there's destruction coming. And the Bible said, cruel wrath upon them. All right? Now let's look at our text. Let's go to Revelation chapter 15 and look in verse number 5. Revelation 15, verse number 5. Now, I'll give, you an, I'll give you a quote in your outline. I want to read this quote before I begin. Look at the quote by David Jeremiah in your outline. Look what he said. Today, people replace God's holiness with a God of sweetness and light. How often do we hear of God's judgment? It's not a popular subject, and it doesn't provide a catchy sermon title for the church bulletin. The crowds come to have their ears tickled, not to have their conscience rattled. You don't hear much about the judgment of God in our land today. Listen to what uh, J. Vernon McGee said. He said, almost, every, uh, almost a century of insipid preaching from America's pulpits. The average man believes that God is all sweetness and light and would not discipline or punish anyone. Well, this book of Revelation tells a different story. And it does. Now I want us to look at that. Look in chapter 15, verse number 5. This is introduction to chapter 16. And these things I look, and behold, verse 5, the temple of the tabernacle, the testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and they, their chests were girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. In chapter 16, we're going to look at these seven bowls of judgment. And this is a lead-in to that. All right? Now, judgment is coming. Chapters 14, verse number 1. Let's look at the voice, the voice's command. We talked about the voice last Sunday. Here's the voice once again in verse number 1 of chapter 16. The voice's command. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple. This would be God speaking. John's hearing this. A loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go out and pour out the seven bowls of the wrath of God on earth. See, this is the last part of the tribulation period. We've already seen the other judgments, and this is the last one. And so the angel, God gives a command with a loud voice. All right, it's time. I want you to go pour out those seven bowls. This is the last part of the tribulation period on planet earth. So we hear this voice. Here's the truth. God's patience throughout the centuries has finally reached an end. You know that God's long-suffering? We're not very long-suffering. We've got short fuses. God's got a long fuse. But now there comes a time, there comes a time when even God's patience says, All right, it's time. And so it's come to an end. And so we see these seven bold plagues in chapter 16. They're parallel to the seven trumpet judgments. If you'll read chapter 8, when we went through this, there's a lot of parallels to uh, these seven bold judgments. And by the way, it's also a parallel to the, to, to the, to the judgments or plagues that uh, Moses presented from God to Egypt. We see these same plagues here. 
they're interacting, if you will, they're the same type plagues or bows, if you will. Now, let's look at those. These bows are more severe in judgment. Every, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, they each get a little more severe. These are the most severe. These are quick secessions. They're going to be quickly. And so let's look at them. Bow number one. Bow number one is painful sores. Painful sores. Look in verse number two. So the first went out, the first angel went out and poured out his bowl upon the earth. And a foul and loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast. Now listen, it came upon those who are left in the tribulation period who had the mark of the beast. Because some are going to be saved in the tribulation period. We talked about that, 144,000 and all. But the ones that had the mark of the beast, these sores were on them. Painful sores. And those who worshipped his image. Satan worshippers, if you will. Now we see these painful sores. Uh, they, were, they were very painful. The, the loathsome word there in the Greek text means annoying. They were annoying So They were painful, but also annoying. Aggravating, painful. You ever had a sore and it's itchy and it scabs and it hurts? Can you imagine all of these things happening? They were poured out on those who rebelled and refused the Lord Jesus Christ and those who had the mark of the beast. Here's a truth in your outline. These sores were the results of outward signs of inward corruption. The reason they had these sores was because of what was on the inside. And so we see the results of that to those who had the mark of the beast. You remember how Jesus chastised the Pharisees? He says, you guys look good on the outside. You're religious. You perform all the religious ceremonies and you pray four or five times a day in front of the people. You got your long robes with their tassels. And man, you're putting on a good show outwardly. But inwardly, you're like whitewashed tombs. He said it in Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, he called them. For you are like wicked whitewashed tombs who indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and are uncleanliness, and all uncleanliness. You see, God judges the heart today. He looks at your heart. He looks at my heart. And when God judges us, if you will, He judges our heart. It's not per se what you kind of, it's what you do, what we say, and all of those things. You know, our, our wickedness is a result of our heart. Do you know that? The things we do, it's not per se what we did. You shouldn't have done that or that. The reason you did that was because of your heart. Your heart's not right with God. Your heart's not in the right place. And because of that, God judges the heart. And we all have one. Right? And so God looks at the heart. He looks on the inside. Not the outside. Not in our religiosity. Not the way we're kind of faking it. He don't look at that. He looks at the inside. He knows our hearts. And so he looks at the heart. The bowl two and three. Waters turn to blood. Watch this. This is bowl two and three. The first one is found in verse number three, the bowl of the sea. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, stagnant. And every creature in the sea died. Now, this is the second bow. Every sea creature died. We saw this in chapter 8 in the seven judgment. And so uh, all the sea creatures died, even Nemo and Dora, Orga, Flipper, 
Not Little Mermaid. Not Little Mermaid. Yeah, all the sea creatures died. Can you imagine all the sea creatures died because the sea turned to blood? Now look at the fourth one, verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of water. And they became like blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Not only did the sea turn to blood, but the ponds, the rivers, the creeks, the hot tubs, everything else turned to blood. All the water turned to blood. Can you imagine what's happening on planet earth? All the waters turned to blood. And you may ask, why did God turn these to blood? What was the purpose of that? Well, he gives the answer in verse 5 and 6. Look at it. Here's the answer. Verse 5. Heard the angel of the water say, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. Who? Those left on planet earth. They shed the blood of all the prophets and the saints. They had them torched. They had them burned alive. They had them fed to the lions and on and on. The ISIS had them murdered, beheaded. All of these are on, left on planet earth. And now they're receiving the judgment that they too shed a lot of blood. And now everything's blood. Look at verse 6. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, the angel said. For it is their just due. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reapeth. Unless you're a Christian. And God, through Christ, reaps it for you. He reaps your sin right here on Calvary. But if you're not in Christ, you're on your own. Amen? That's what it's talking about. Look at that. It's, it's, uh, those left, because they, they shed the blood, they, they, they didn't trust Christ. They forfeited their grace and mercy. They could have had forgiveness of sin. Uh, they forfeited grace and mercy and the forgiveness of sin because they rebelled and rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in verse 7. And I heard another, another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. True and righteous are your judgments. The voices of the martyrs are crying out. Look with me in chapter 6 of Revelation. Turn back to chapter 6. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 6. And look in verse 9 and 10. Look in verse 9 and 10. Now, have you been like me? Have you been thinking like this with what happened in New York last week and a lot of other things? Have you been saying, good Lord, how long? How long are you going to let this go on? Have y'all thought that? Sure you have. I have too. Good night. How can this be happening? How long, oh Lord? Now I want you to watch this. What about those who are... That's just us. Dealing with some of this immorality. But what about if you've been martyred innocently? Look in chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10. Chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Watch this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the t- testimony which they had. Verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? Well, God's saying, All right, I am. This is the time. Time is here. I'm avenging, if you will. Vengeance is mine. 
saith the Lord. Not ours. His. Payday someday. Payday someday. Bowl number four. Verse eight and nine. Intense heat. Intense heat. This is not a pretty picture. Verse eight and nine. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl in the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. Malachi chapter 4 talked about that. And they blasphemed the name of God who, was, who has power over the plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Can you believe it? Even when men are being burned and being scorched, they're blaspheming God. You know why? Because their heart. They got a hardness of heart. Their heart's hardened. And you would think, oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm repenting. No, no. You, sorry, God, I hate you. As the heat and the intense heat and being scorched to death. It's unbelievable, isn't it? How people get so hard-hearted against God that loves them unconditionally and willing to forgive them, send his son to die on the cross for them. But they will not repent and they will not Except Christ. Boy, this is intense heat. This gives new meaning to global warming, doesn't it? I mean, this is in... Yeah, it's true. Global warming. It's going to be in the, in the last days. I guarantee you. It's going to be global warming. You know, all God would have to do... You think about this. All God would have to do is to remove one or two ozone layers of the atmosphere. Just a little twitch here or twitch there. Scorch burning up. He's holding it back. You know, they, it's amazing to me, as I said, that they didn't repent. And you think about this. It's so sad. It's so sad. You know, I preach every week and give an invitation. And people witness to you. And your neighbors have talked to you. And your loved ones have talked to you. And you still won't repent. You still just say, now I don't believe that, whatever. And God's all the time calling you to repentance. And we st- they curse the Lord. Verse 11 validates it as well. They curse the Lord. You say, well, I, I, that may happen then. What about now? Let me tell you what a pastor friend told me. I know him personally. I know the guy he went to see. His wife was a member of his church. He was a pastor friend right here in our county. He said his wife came to me and said, Pastor, would you go visit my husband? He's in Decatur General. He's about to die. He's not a Christian. I've done everything I can to say to him, but he won't listen. Would you just go over and talk to him? He said, I'll be glad to. pastor told me he walked in the room. When the man saw him, he just kind of had a scrawl on his face. And as soon as he walked in the door, he began to cuss him. He began to cuss this pastor, told him to get out of the room, and called him every name in the book. And a couple days later, he died and went to hell. And went to hell. He just blasphemed God to his life. Have you ever seen these tragedies and people that are going down in a plane or whatever, cursing God or cursing, using the Beth bomb, everything else, on their last breath? And you wonder, is there no fear of God? Is there no reverence of God Almighty? And what happens in the land, what happened in the day of Noah, was people laughed at God. They laughed at Noah. They laughed at God's promises. They laughed at God's word. They laughed and made mockery of Jesus. And when that begins to happen, I'm telling you, God's coming in judgment. It's very clear in the scriptures, all through the Bible. He's a righteous, just, loving God. 
But I'm telling you, he is God. He's a God of love. He's a God of judgment. He's a God of his word, by the way. Bow number five, darkness and pain. Look at, look at verse 10 and 11. I've got to move very quickly. Then the fifth angel and poured out his bowl on the th- throne of the beast. Now he's dealing with the beast. Amen? The beast and the, and, the, and the false prophet. He said, they poured out this bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom and became full darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. Still to the very end. And so darkness filled the, the, filled the earth. And the da- can you imagine the sores, all those things going on, and then it's just pitch dark? Darkness covered the beast and the kingdom of the beast. It's like the ninth plague of, the, uh, of Egypt. Same thing. The entire, the entire nation of Egypt was dark except the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. It wasn't dark there. It was light there. Why is that? Because we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. Darkness is a familiar theme all through the Bible. Many prophets prophesy the coming darkness. Listen to Joel chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. The prophet Joel said this, For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. We're seeing darkness today, aren't we? Bow number 6. The Euphrates River dries up. The Euphrates River drives up in verse number 12 and following. And by the way, this judgment is more than a plague. I want to show it to you and let you understand what's happening. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, very significant, and its waters were dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of a dragon out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the unholy trinity. There were like frogs, they were demonic spirits coming out of their mouth. And it says in verse 14, For they are the spirits of demons. They were performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Jump down to verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place in the Hebrew called Armageddon. Now, I want you to see this, uh, why the Euphrates River dried up. It's very significant. The reason they dried it up, and it tells us there, it's a prelude so that all the armies of the east can cross over the Euphrates River, which is the border, 1,800 miles long. The Euphrates River was, was uh, the east boundary of the Roman Empire. And so what God did was dried up the Euphrates River so all these armies from the east could march against Israel and, and, the, and come against the Antichrist as well later on. Watch this. And all of them could cross over on dry land. And so that's the reason he dried up Euphrates so there could be this battle at Armageddon. So all of them could come and they're coming against Israel. Now... Let's look at this. I want you to see this because it's very interesting. These frog-like creatures are just demonic spirits. Now, he's using the whole, whole unholy trinity. The dragon, the devil, the antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet. They're, they're, they're launching out these demonic spirits that's gathering all these kings and all of these nations 
They're, they're speaking of vileness against Israel, and everybody's gathering together. All these armies, humanity of people in these armies are marching against Israel. So they're coming over the Euphrates River, just like the children of Israel crossed over the, the, sea, the Red Sea. Remember how uh, Moses spoke, and God dried up a path in the Red Sea so all the Israelites could cross, and then he, then he killed all the uh, Egyptians. Same thing with the Euphrates River. He dried it up so all these armies could pass and come to a place called Armageddon in verse number 16. And so Armageddon comes from the Hebrew word Megiddo. Megiddo is a place in the Hebrew. It's called the place of slaughter. It's also called in the Bible, in the prophets, the prophets called it the Valley of Jezreel and Jehoshaphat. That's the term that is used for this valley. It's a valley. It's called Megiddo. I've been there. I've stood on this mountain called Megiddo when I was in Israel. And I looked over this valley. It's a vast. I think I have a slide of that right now. Watch this slide. There it is. When you stand on Megiddo in Israel, when you go to this place, it's a high mountain. And there is the valley of Jezreel, the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's where all of these armies are going to gather in the battle of Armageddon. They're going to cross the Euphrates River, and they're going to gather in this valley right here. All these armies during the end of the tribulation period when God's about, Jesus Christ is about to come back, and he's coming back at the end of the tribulation period. And so watch this. And then in verse, uh, uh, let's see, look at verse, by the way, this, this valley is 14 miles wide and 20 miles long. And it's there, Megiddo, and uh, Zechariah 12, 9. Listen to what Zechariah prophesied. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So the, prophets of the prophecy says, in those days, all the nations that gather against Israel, little old bitty Israel, the size of Connecticut, but God's hands on Israel. He's always protected. He's got a remnant. We've talked about that already. He's got a remnant. He's going to deal with Israel. We'll get to, when we get in chapter 20, we're going to look at the millennial kingdom where he's going to really deal with, with Israel, the Jews. So he's protecting them, but he's going to bring them all together there for the final battle called Armageddon. Joel chapter 3, verse 2. Listen to this. Listen, this is prophecy. I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's Megiddo. That's that valley of Armageddon. And I will enter into judgment with them there. Now he's bringing all these things in the seven year uh, tribulation period upon them. And everybody's got these swords and all these plagues and all of that. But at the end they're going to all march against Israel. That's why these spirits of the unholy trinity are coming out and, 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 and teaching or preaching, if you will, to all these kingdoms. So they will gather against Jerusalem and gather against Israel themselves. Now look at verse 15. I like to talk more about that, but I've got to move on. Verse 15. It seems like verse 15 to me is out of place. It seems like it was just kind of thrown in there. It's Jesus speaking. It's red letter. Look at verse 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, the reason it seems out of place, there's several times in the Bible that Jesus says, I'm coming back as a thief in the night. Remember that? Matthew talked about it. Other places he comes. He mentions that on several occasions. To me, this makes a good point 
for me being a pre-tribulationist. You say, why would you say that? What, what do you mean that makes a good point for pre-tribulationists? Well, don't you listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 3, and 4. Listen to what Paul wrote. For when they say, peace and safety. Now, who's they? These are the ones that are left on earth. Watch this. And when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. He didn't say us. He said them. Now watch it. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. They, they shall not escape. Who's that? That's the ones left behind. Now watch this. But you, brethren, Christians, you are not in darkness, so that this day will not overtake you like a thief. It will overtake those who aren't looking for Him, those who don't love Him. It's going to come upon them like a thief in the night, but not on the brethren. It won't come upon you as a thief. Why? Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, uh, 2, 13. Because we're looking for His glorious appearing. We're looking for Him to come back. Not as a thief, but as Savior and Lord. Amen? Are you looking for Christ to come back? Are you expecting Him to come back? He's coming. And if you're a lost person, He's going to come as a thief. Because you don't want Him to come. You're not ready for Him to come. So He's coming as a thief to you. But to the brethren, those who know Him, He's not going to come as a thief. We don't live in darkness. We live in the light. Just like in Egypt, when the plague came on Egypt, it didn't come on Goshen where the Israelites were. They were in the light. That's why, it's, that's why you need to be saved, my friend. Now, let me give you the last one, number seven. The seven bowl. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl in the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven. There's that voice again, isn't it? A loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. It's done. Look what he says. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as, such as a mighty and great earthquake has not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts. Now can you imagine, think about this. The, the seventh angel pours out his bowl and God says, it's done. It's finished. And then all of a sudden... A great earthquake and thunderings had never been heard before. What does that remind you of? You remember when Jesus was crucified? You remember when He's on the cross? You know what He said? To tell us die. It is finished. And guess what happened after that? Earthquake. Thunderings. And lightnings. Same thing here. See, Jesus took your sin. He judged sin. And when He judged sin, it rumbled and thundered and the earthquake because He became sin for you. And then those left behind, when God comes back to judge sinners, He says, it's done. My judgment has come. Same thing, earthquake, rumble and thunderings because of the judgment of God. Jesus judged your sin on the cross. He died for your sin. When God comes, He's going to judge you in your sin because you have failed to receive Christ as your personal Savior.
And then you look what it says in verse 19. That great city, which I believe is Babylon, it talks about this. We can see it next week. We'll see about Babylon next week in 17 and 18. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Notice that. And the great Babylon was remembered before God to give her cup of the wine of the fierceness of her wrath. Now, we'll talk about this next week, but Babylon, when it mentions Babylon, that great city, he's speaking of a political system. Not just Babylon the city, but also Babylon and its political system, how it corrupted and polluted the people. That's what he's talking about here in verse 19. I'll show it to you next week. It it was divided into three parts, the great city, and great Babylon was remembered before God, to give her cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. The mountains in the sea, look at this, the great hail. Then great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone weighed about a talent. You know what that is? A hundred pounds. Can you imagine a hailstone weighing a hundred pounds? That's what it says. Great hail fell from heaven upon men, and hailstones weighing a talent. Men, what did they do? Oh, God, forgive us. Mm-mm. They blasphemed God because of the plague of hell, just like Pharaoh did, since the plague was exceedingly great. Wow. You see all these plagues that are coming, and this is the end of the tribulation period. That's why God said it's done. It's done. We don't understand all of this. That's why Revelation, nobody but preaches on it. We don't want to stand. We don't want to hear all these plagues and judgment of those. The key is this. You're not going to have to endure that if you're a Christian. But if you're not, if you're not, if you're not, you're going to endure this stuff in the great tribulation period. And see there, you know, it's just, it's just going to be a terrible time, and I'm really encouraging to hear this voice that God speaks. The great city of Babylon is, going, is fallen. The political system of the day is falling. We'll see that next Sunday. The prophet Zechariah prophesied in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3, verse four, uh, three through 5. Let me turn there and read that to you. To close. It's time to close. Here it is. Listen to this, Zechariah chapter 15. You know what it's titled, chapter 14? Day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Listen to verse 3 through 5. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against the nations. That's Armageddon. The Lord will go forth and fight against the nation as he fights in the day of battle. This would be Jesus, by the way, the Lord. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. And that's going to split. We'll talk about that as well which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall be moved toward the north and half of it toward the south. And so the day of the Lord is coming. Now look up in verse 1 and 2. I didn't read that. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. Your spoil be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken. And so forth. And so we see these seven bows unleashed, and we see the judgment of God unleashed. It's horrible. It's horrific. As I said before, I'm glad as a Christian I'm going to be raptured up. I believe before the tribulation begins, we're going to be caught up with Him. And we're coming back with Him, by the way. We'll see this. This is going to be a beautiful picture in chapter 21, in chapter 20, rather. We're going to come back with Him. 
those of us who have been raptured, the saints in the air with him are going to come back when Jesus comes for the final judgment. Because that battle of Armageddon, it's going to be a horrendous battle. It's not going to last long because Jesus is going to deal with it himself. By the way, you know who the judge is? Jesus. He's going to deal with it. And we'll talk about it next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to look at chapter 17 and 18 together because there's a lot of repetitive stuff there. And then I can't wait to get in 19, 20, 21, 22. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get in the millennial kingdom. We'll see about the millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment. We're going to look into heaven. The greatest scripture, uh, the greatest description of heaven is found in Revelation chapter 21. It's unbelievable. God is real. Now, here's, my, here's, here's the invitation. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't understand all of that. You don't have to understand all of that. You don't have to understand all of that. What you do need to understand is God is real. He's a creator. He made you. And if you don't know Christ, you're in your sin. You're a sinner. All his sin comes short of the glory of God. And says the gift of God is eternal life. Right? The wages of sin is death. We're going to die. But the gift of God is eternal life. Have you received the gift of God? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you have, you're a Christian. You're going to be raptured up with the church. But if you haven't, you're going to be left behind. It's that simple. You can understand that. And so the invitation is for you to come and receive Christ as your personal Savior. If you've never done that, you don't remember doing it, you don't think you did it, then you need to come. You need to come. Maybe you have been saved, never been baptized like faith. You need to come and be baptized. You need to come be a part of a church that teaches the Word of God. We'd love to have you join Lindsay Lane. This is an invitation for all of us. Maybe you want to come and kneel at the altar. I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to think about your eternity right now. Just bow your head with me all over this building. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Wayne's coming, and we're going to sing a song. We're going to have an invitation. But I want you to think about this. Eternity, eternity, eternity. Just keep saying that in your mind. Eternity, eternity, eternity. Where am I going to spend eternity? What happens if Jesus comes today? Where would I be? Where would I go? I want you to think about this. It's a very serious very serious question and you have to answer it father in the name of jesus help us lord lord i'm trying to encourage this church i'm trying to encourage those who don't know jesus to come and be saved lord i just pray right now it's the biggest decision we'll ever make the single most important decision we'll ever make is what we do with jesus i'm praying for those who need to be a part of our church they need to come some need to come and get their baptism in in order some want to come and just pray pray over whatever We're not going to embarrass anybody at all. We're just going to have a time of invitation so we can help people. Lord, would you move and do what no man can do? And that's the Spirit of God. Speak to our hearts and draw us to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us?